This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you saw the movie Inside Out? Anyone see that movie? It came out in 2015. Uh, so a recent movie. For those who did not, some of you are, are already zoned in with me, but if you haven't, I'll bring you there quickly. So it's an animated movie that talks about a little Midwestern girl. She's 11 years old, and her parents share with her traumatic news, very traumatic. She is moving to San Francisco. And in moving to San Francisco, she's going to lose all of her friends. She's going to lose her school. She's going to lose it all. Now, if you have a heart where San Francisco is your favorite city, then just reshape it and make it that you're having to move from the Midwest to San Francisco or from San Francisco to the Midwest. It doesn't matter. The movie's whole point is the inside-out feature is you meet all of the girl's emotions on the outside. So you are introduced to the little character in her called anger. You are introduced to the little character called frustration and envy and jealousy and excitement and joy and all of these things that are inside her head. The movie is just about them fighting against each other and competing going, no, 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 we should be happy. We should smile. No, we should be angry. Mom and dad are hurting us. Uh, And all of this playing out. So what's inside comes out. So as we talk through this morning, The idea of counting it all joy, there's some inside stuff happening in our lives that we'd prefer to keep inside. Well, the movie gives us a chance to be uh, presented with what it looks like when that stuff gets on the outside. This past summer, well, I realize we're still technically in summer, but as we walked through 12 weeks of common ground, uh, I was delighted to watch over 50 of us every single week, gathering in small groups on the same page, studying the foundations of our faith, of the creeds, studying the Ten Commandments, studying what it means to be a steward, a manager of gifts God entrusts to us, how it is that we live that out, uh, and watching people get to know each other. Uh, Some people just know more about each other now, uh, and it makes us stronger for what's going ahead. And then we hit here, and it's September 2nd, and there's a broken window. So how is it that when a window breaks that I could count that as joy? It was hard. So my parents were in town a few weeks ago, and Melissa and I, my parents were like, go to dinner. You should go to dinner. All right, we'll go to dinner. So we're driving up US 1. We're going to go to dinner. I'm like, man, are you kidding me? Look over. She's like, all right. Windshields cracked. Oh, come on, no. Count it joy, count it joy, count it joy. Counting it joy. I'm so excited I can call an insurance agent to help me through this. This is so good. It feels so great to have joy. I love it. Don't ask Melissa for the full play-by-play. It didn't go exactly like that. (laughs) You will all be lining up to get the play-by-play from her now, like, please tell me, how did it really go? Well, one of the things for us as a congregation is we got questions about what does it look like to be joyous. We have, over the past several years, talked about how is it we could go from being in this place to transitioning to some permanent site and looking for land and others, and we're going to find it, and it's going to be there. And along the way, what we're finding out is it's not that easy. (laughs) 
joy, brothers and sisters. Count it joy. It's joy. It's really happy stuff. It's great. I love it. You know what, though? It is. That's what's crazy about it. It's realizing we get to be together on a journey. Do you remember looking back at your childhood travels and now you laugh about how you told your parents, are we there yet? Like you laugh about it now. Uh, now. At the time, man, you were like, honestly, get us there now. Who in the world put these states so far away? Why can't we vacation at home? Because then the trip would be easier. And trust me, I know now as parents, you're going, I wish we had too. Why did we plan this trip? A shorter trip would have been better. Well, when we lose sight of what's happening, we lose track of where our joy is. Go with me, Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to get our, our frame of reference here. Uh, and our frame of reference talks about these inside-out moments. The people of Israel are going forward with God's plan entrusted to them. Carry the message of promise. Carry the message that Messiah, someone is coming so that your burdens, your worries, and your strife will find their relief. This is the text that's called the Great Shema, which means listen in Hebrew. Uh, so it actually just tells the people, get ready for like the hardest thing we have to do as Christians is, I mean, it's hard. You guys ready for it? Listen. Okay, we're going to try it one more time because it's really hard. Sometimes Christians think about what we do. Uh, the hardest thing that God gives to you is you have to listen. It really is. And now, O oh Israel, listen to the statutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I got this great plan. It's going to be wonderful. It looks like this. I've already got it. It's really good. You should see it. Bless it, Lord. Deuteronomy 4, 1 to 2. And now, O oh Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules I am teaching you. And do them. That you may live and go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Here's the neat thing about the God that we serve, the God that we worship, the God that we sing to. He actually has it all laid out for you. All of it. He actually has told you everything that you're to do. He's given very clear instructions to how it is that we live our daily lives. We just have to... Yeah, and sometimes it feels like we're getting pulled by those ears that we don't want to listen to. Well, Lord, I had it all laid out. It was going to be this parcel. Lord, we were going to go have a great dinner and talk about things. Oh, well, I guess we're just going to talk about insurance agents and we're going to talk about uh, other things like that because that's fun. That's great. I said to my parents, thanks. We really enjoyed talking to Erie. Great. Loved it. It's great. Joy. I counted it joy. Uh, to have that opportunity. So where does it take us at Jordan? See, I would suggest we find ourselves kind of in this neat little corner from a summer of excitement, uh, which for me, for those of you who were there uh, last Sunday evening, we went from an exciting morning. Man, it was awesome. Uh, and, and thank you. I know that I'm looking for praise, but the Millers opened up their house. Uh, the Lord not only opened up their house, gave us like the most awesome Sunday evening. Like after rain and rain and rain, and then we had, you know, just last night, I'm pretty sure, although I didn't talk to him, if it had rained as hard as it did last, you know, the last few days, it wouldn't have been good to like bring cars on and park and other stuff. Lord, just set it all up. And it was wonderful. And we gathered and had a meal. And literally, uh, we sat under a tree, a ginormous, beautiful tree, and just got to realize God's doing great things through us right now. So when we go into James, 
we then are presented with this picture, one that I think is hard for us. James writes to the church in what's called the diaspora, the diaspora of Christians, which just means the scattered ones. Because Jerusalem has become a place of persecution. It is no longer safe for those who had held this faith that they thought, wow, we're Jewish, but now this is just the understanding of it. This is the Jewish faith now, and we know who Messiah is. We just have a name for Messiah. So we figure everyone who hears about it who's Jewish is going to go, awesome, you found out his name. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And what they discover is, no, the status quo was, no, we don't want to know the name because we're not convinced that's it. And so they are pushed out, they're spread, the diaspora of Christians, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the child who, again, historically, I would suggest is this was one who was born to Joseph and Mary after Jesus. We're not questioning the virgin birth, we're saying, wow, this is, Joseph and Mary have other children. The scriptures reference these other children later. Uh, And as we have this picture, then James, who you remember how the family originally responded to Jesus, right? There goes Jesus again. Ugh. Frustration. But they realize by faith what Jesus is up to. James then completely changed. Writes this letter to those diaspora Christians, those spread out from Jerusalem because of persecution. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. He's referencing now the Old Testament. He's saying, hey, the 12 tribes, God's chosen people. You're now spread out because this faith that you have been entrusted with has caused you some pain, some strife, some concern. You don't know how it's all going to fit together. Greetings. Count it all joy. Yeah, that's how it starts. (laughs) Greetings. Count it all joy. Now, when you get a letter from someone in the midst of your strife, and the first thing it says is, praise the Lord, most of you would say, yeah, you'd say some choice words. Fool, idiot, how dare they? Do they not know? Please, just consolation, send me some prayers. But really, praise the Lord? <laughs> this is what James writes. You're like, oh, no, no, no. It, they're not offended by it. This is James writing to them. They're happy to receive this. He wrote it to them because I am certain of this. At the time of their persecution, they were feeling what? persecuted, like junk, like garbage, left to the end going, this is the faith, this is the bedrock, this is our common ground. We had this great summer and this excitement, and now we're left with this? We're left with burden, we're left with strife? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Not if you meet, when you meet. James doesn't write and say, hey, you may experience this. He writes and says, when these come your way, when it comes, it will make you steadfast. Your faith will be tested. You will experience a trial. You will experience concern. Now, the early church is discovering what St. Augustine spoke about the Old and the New Testament. Augustine is quoted as saying this, is the relationship between the Old and New, which James is trying to help bring across. Augustine wrote these words. He said, the New, speaking of the New Testament, the New is in the Old concealed, and the Old is in the New revealed. I just want to share with you so you can hear it. So the New is in the Old concealed, and the Old is in the New revealed. Jesus was always there in the Old Testament. He was just concealed. He wasn't fully understood and known. But in the New, it's revealed. It's coming forth. 
And James is writing to the people to say, hey, this is joy. You have everything that you need. Count it joy. So how do we respond in the midst of struggle? Do you watch your windshield crack and say, whoop, whoop, joy? Do you watch parcels of property slip away and you say, joy? I hope that you do. And if you don't, welcome. Welcome to this thing called trial. Welcome to this thing called challenge. Welcome to this thing called strife. What about your age? Right now, your present age, do you consider the age you are right now a joy or a trial? You don't have to answer it. I just want you to consider it. Think about your age. Right now, joy or trial? I want you to think about your life. If you have children, are they a joy or are they a trial? If you are married, joy or trial? If you're single, is it a joy or is it a trial? If you're in school right now, is it a joy or a trial? Do you have a job right now? Joy or trial? (laughs) You having to be quiet listening to this sermon, joy or trial? (laughs) You guys. Too much laughter on those moments. Too much laughter. I do know they're awake. You're right. Thank you. (laughs) I find joy in that. That's true. Thank you. I'm counting that joy. Yeah, I need to be reminded of these things as well. It's in looking at them and analyzing that we find ourselves back at that little girl in the movie Inside Out. What is it that we're seeing that God's bringing out to us? Is he bringing out to you that your age right now, it's a good thing? You've got wisdom. You've got experience. You know what's happening. You understand who to talk to. You know the path that you have to go down. You know the places you need to be. When it comes to your education, you're going, hey, at least they're training me so I know where I need to be. Lord, in looking back, I can see that you will be with me into the future. When you look at your children, you can look at your parents or your grandparents and realize they got through it, so I can too. Or you look and say, these are the best things that I've ever experienced in my life. Or you look at the fact that you're not married and you don't have kids and you say, Lord, why me? Joy or trial? And who do we take that burden to? Who do we take that worry to? Who do we take it if it's a trial? How do I leave that with the Lord? How is it that I actually do that? How do I take the inside stuff and I put it out without airing it out to others? I kind of like keeping my coat the right way so people don't see my insides. I want to kind of hide some of that stuff. James comes to them and says, well, maybe it is that you need to allow some of this stuff to be exposed to the one place that can turn back darkness. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. To take things inside out is to realize that God has promised you the crown of life. The greatest thing the Lord has ever worn is not the crown of a king, it is a crown of thorns. That was his greatest moment. But for most people, they would say that was his greatest trial. You see, in his trial, no, that was his triumph. 
You know that for having been in the church enough and heard the cycles of life, you start to hear those patterns, but hear them again for the first time. Because in hearing them again, you realize that you have a Savior who refused to leave you alone on this road, who refused to allow your burden and your trial and your temptation to be yours alone. He said, I'm taking it. I'm taking it so you don't keep dragging it. It is no fun to be around someone who does this with their burdens every day. Uh, and they bring them into every conversation. Uh, have you seen how my life is? Uh, it's so terrible. It's so burdensome. I've got to go to church early on Sunday. Uh, it's horrible. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I do believe it. It's okay. Because I count it as joy to be amongst God's people and others who, if we're open to each other, is life always fun? You can say it with, I mean, you can say it with joy, ready? Is life always fun? No. no. That's honest. Is this the end of all things? Yeah, did you hear the tone change? You're like, no. No, because it gets better. God tells you the rest of the story. We gather not so we can bring our garbage here and just kind of compare it. Well, you know, I've got some big burdens. How about you? Mine are bigger. (laughs) Were some of you trying this out at the coffee pot this morning? You're all like, I tried. They had pretty good burdens, Pastor. It was was hard to one-up them in burdens today. (laughs) All our burdens leave us at the same place. They leave us unarmed at the foot of the cross going, Lord, you've got to take it because I cannot do this on my own. See, in the gospel text for today out of Mark 7, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things outside of a person are what defile him. For far too long we've allowed this narrative to be that the outside world is defiling us. (laughs) We're doing a great job, a bang-up job of defiling ourselves with ourselves, by ourselves, instituted by ourselves, constituted by ourselves, for ourselves, so that we might defile others. Thank you very much. God's church does not need the outside culture to make it have this sin problem. Now, I do agree, it's not helping us right now. It's not encouraging us always to go back to the Word. Uh, There are a few times I've turned on a television program recently that has suggested to me, take it to the Lord in prayer, uh, at which point the seven other actors don't make fun of that actor. That isn't happening now. Do you guys remember the program Highway to Heaven? you remember that Uh, with Michael Landon? I needed a pick-me-up a few weeks ago, so I watched a few episodes. Man, is it bad when your pastor talks about his childhood as the good old days? That's bad. Yeah, I know. You're looking at me like, but you're the young guy. I know, but I still like Michael Landon. It was a different era. It was an era when the story was just about an angel who's there helping people. And frequently like, well, why won't you fix it? He goes, because I've got to take messages from the boss. The boss decides what happens here. I can't help you until the boss tells me. Uh, for those who know how this plays out, he ends up working with a gentleman. And I had forgotten the beginning to this. See, the opening episode, there was a young man that works with him. But that young man who works with him in the first episode, it turns out, is an alcoholic and struggling with his life. Uh, and he thinks that he is the one who's holding his, his sister together. And at the close of that episode, as Michael Landon, the angel figure, is there, uh, the gentleman comes and comes to me and says, I just want to travel with you. 
I want to help you to be able to tell people about what God wants to do in their life. And Michael Landon looks at him and says, it's not my decision. I can't decide whether or not you go with me. That's for God to make that decision. Gets in his car, turns around, makes it about 100 feet. Car breaks, and you watch Michael Landon's character just smile, and he's like, all right, Lord, I guess I'm helping this guy. And that's how their relationship forms together. It's realizing that the trial that you figure is there, he was downtrodden, completely devastated. He said, I want to help you, Lord. I want to be on this journey. And God says, nope, you can't be on the journey. And a moment later, the Lord says, yep, now you can. But you just have to trust that I am going to take care of you. When you give it to the Lord, then the Lord can do vastly more than you could ever imagine. But if you had stepped out to get a drink or something else, you would have thought, oh, yeah, okay, great, he has to work there. But if you missed the segment where the Lord almost seemingly took it all from him until he gave it all to him, uh, you'd miss out on what that is. James 1, 13 and 14, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. When that inside stuff comes out, don't ever say, oh, God is tempting us. This is a challenge. God isn't tempting you. That's not what God does. God renews, God restores, God replenishes, God feeds, as he will feed you at his table today. He's not the one tempting you, for God cannot be tempted with evil. That's not what he does. But each person is tempted when he is Lord and enticed by his own sin. So, lady, if you wanted your good text, this is the text, so you can all walk out with your heads high. So, it just says masculine here. See, it's the men. The men are the problem. Fine, you can have that for a moment. If you want to discuss kind of the use of pronouns and others and how this actually means both, go for it. But ladies, if you needed your pick-me-up, you can have it. Just realize it's short-lived and not really how the text is reading, but the problem comes from within who? Me. This is a me problem. But God says, I want to take the me problem in you and make it mine. And in me making it mine, I will give you back my life. I will give you my perfection. I will give you my righteousness. I will not leave you alone. I will not let you be forsaken. I will not allow that to be your end. Because blessed is the man who is what? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. See, what is within us without Christ is darkness. If you don't have Christ, that inside stuff is dark. You can pretend it's light and talk as cheerfully about it as you want, but it's dark. What's given to us by Christ is what illuminates our steps, our paths, and our words. As we walk through James, may you, brothers and sisters, with me, those that God has called together as this neat little assembly called Jordan Lutheran Church, count it all joy. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.